Welcome back, beloveds, to the Heaven on Earth podcast. If you are just tuning in, this is actually part two to a two-part interview with Jess Benstock. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one first. And this is the continuation of our super epic, super deep interview together. Let's dive in. Yeah, I want to I wanna bring the... Um... There were a few pieces that I was tracking during that last share that I, I wrote some notes on here. But the the thing that I want to bring this whole thing back to that we're speaking on of like the reason we're talking about the stuff that's coming up in the collective unconscious, the reason that we're talking about, you know, the shadow stuff in new age or whatever, you know, if false light is to you is because we have the intention of supporting you in building a discernment for yourself, mm-hmm. right? So that there can be more integrity in your own personal process and more integrity in the collective. Um, and just want to reiterate like how important that is. I mean, you know, when I look back on my, my journey, like I'm just, I've been so blessed with like, just for the most part, really great teachers. Um, and I feel really grateful for that. And also, you know, there were moments of my my journey and my experience where like, you know, I remember at one point, like when I first started my like really like, holy shit, this is not the only reality kind of waking up experience. I was dating a, a shaman at the time that was serving ayahuasca, who is much older than myself. And I didn't have that level of discernment yet in place. And so the depth to which, you know, manipulation was happening. And like, I just kind of was like, oh yeah, like new, new world that I'm not used to like, you know, pedestaling it. I want to talk about the pedestal effect is what I want to bring in. There was a, a pedestal effect of like the person that I was learning from. And so that came with like a psychological manipulation, sexual manipulation, like total not invoking the discernment for myself because of the pedestal effect that I was having, because I was so eager to learn. Right. Yes, yeah. Um, and which is know, hard. Like, That's really hard in the beginning too. You, it is. You have no context. Yeah. And it's, it's important, you know, again, like, like you said, we don't want to become jaded. Right. And that's not why we're having this conversation. Like, honestly, you guys, like I'm actually an incredible, like I fucking love the coaching world. Mm-hmm. I do for a yeah. while. Like I had to totally not love it. Like, and mm-hmm. totally be like, I fucking hate the coaching world, but I'm in a space where I, I love the coaching world. I love the mentorship world. I love what we're all doing on a collective level to expand ourselves. And I'm really proud of the work that humanity is doing. And I'm really proud of the industry that both of us are a part of. And so this, this conversation isn't around, you know, just wanting to spread an energy of feeling jaded. Um, but, you know, really looking at the spaces where that refinement is needed. Um And I'm just so glad, like, you know, all of those moments where I didn't have discernment, where I was offered opportunities to do things like ayahuasca in spaces that the facilitator was not holding a clean container and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that something came in and, and, you know, stopped me from doing those things. Um, I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, like I said, in the beginning, it just feels so great now to have a level of discernment with myself, knowing that any space that I go into or teacher that I work with or medicine space I go into or sexual relationship that I go into, that that level of discernment is there and that I feel safe with myself. Um, And so what I want to speak to is 
how do we, how do we create discernment for the self? Like, what is the first thing you would say when, when I ask the question, like, how do you create discernment? Hmm. Is it just through having experience or are there like a few like tangible things that you would speak to? Um, and, and specifically I'm thinking of also like the dismantling of the pedestal effect that happens so fucking often in the coaching industry, which is <laughs> one of the, the, one of the biggest reasons why, you know, we have to take responsibility for why, you know, let's say a coach fucks us over or a teacher like you know, fucks us over is not even necessarily because of them, but your part of the responsibility is the fact that you pedestaled them, you know, which is just the opposite end of the equation of putting yourself above someone. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it's two sides of the same coin and it sucks when you're on the other end of it too. Like it sucks just as much when someone pedestals you and then you fall from grace inevitably. I had in my first um, course that I ever made, I had this whole, I had a whole module called burn the pedestal because it was just like, it was so clear how I'd been on both sides of that. Um, And I think part of it to speak to the pedestal piece first is like, we want someone to have the answers. We want someone to be the perfected thing that we don't see in the world. We want so badly (laughs) for Mm -hmm. for someone who has gifts to be through and through pure and for the same reason and I'm just gonna plug this in for the same reason that we want to find the right religion or like truth in religion or a textbook or whatever because it gives us a false sense of safety where we don't have to go through our own process of discernment yeah exactly it gives us certainty it gives us safety and you know, going a little bit, going back to like the lesson of 2020, the biggest one was like, we don't have control, not the way that we want, you know, like we, we are not in control of so many things. And at the core, you know, our thing about the biggest human fear, and I will circle back around to that discernment question, because it's really important, but the biggest human fear is the fear of death. And is that is the biggest fear for a reason, it's kept us alive. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. It is the reason that we are still alive as a species. And yet one of the big things too, that, that, that kind of creates a fractal of is like our ego and like a sense of certainty, a sense of who we are, a sense of what we mean in the world, a sense of being able to control. And the, the thing you have to lean back into when you, when you're forced to let go of that control you know, you can either do it consciously or you, you have experiences or people that you love die, or there's a freak accident, or there's some kind of, you know, natural disaster. Those times you have to, you're forced to let go into the sense of life is so much bigger than I know or understand. And there's so much that I don't know. And there's so much that I don't understand. And that's scary. But also once you get over the fear of it, it's very freeing because then it connects you to, you start, you let go of the grip of needing the control and and the certainty. And you kind of have to surrender to the not knowing. And that's what, you know, any tradition, Mm -hmm. all masters talk about, like the more, you know, the more you don't know, the more, you know, that you don't know anything. And that's what gives you a line to this kind of inherent wisdom that's woven throughout life. Um, Mm -hmm you know, these truths and these principles that, 
you could hear a million people say, but it's only the ones that have really embodied them or gone through them that you're like, oh, that lands. And so, you know, I think that 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 kind of fractal of pedestaling each other, wanting that certainty, seeing that light, getting so damn angry. I did that to my first healing teacher. And I hate like I hated that he would like smoke cigarettes and he would get he kept getting on and off addicted to tobacco. And it just it it made me so mad. Or like a couple of my friends that that were serving different medicines and I would just see them act out of integrity with sex or power. And it made me so mad. And yet it was never helpful to the point of um like I never got what I wanted from being angry. It just showed me about power and the human experience and learning to accept that like things are imperfect and people are going to be imperfect and no one's going to, I can't rest my, what I thought was trust onto someone who I thought mm-hmm. had it all. And that mm-hmm. gave me the responsibility of having to have moment to moment discernment. And mm-hmm. so circling back to that question, I think one of the first things there's a lot of different ways, but one of the first things is I think fundamentally you have to go through, unfortunately, like unless you happen to have like the, this kind of soul that has a certain level of wisdom that is naturally available and awake, um, I think that can save. And I, I believe for me, like there were things that I just, similar to what you're saying about not sitting in ceremony with people that didn't have integrity, I kind of like, you know, side, side swiped, like didn't necessarily have to go through because I was listening to something, right. but you know, you have to go through the experience of realizing where there's naivety and where you're trusting something, but not listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that the beat that's the beginning stages is, is really self-honesty. Yeah. Think about how from such a young age, we're socialized to, go along with the group when we know something's wrong or off. There's a voice that kind of knows a lot of the time with very simple things that something just doesn't feel quite right. And we don't have to know what that is, but just because we don't know what it is doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to it mm-hmm. or just be aware of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like one of the beginning stages is can you, yeah. can you identify that whisper? Cause it's oftentimes a whisper inside of you that's like something feels weird and pause with it and be with it long enough to give it a little bit of the stage because oftentimes what we do in that those kind of organic moments is go but so and so is doing it so it's fine mm-hmm. or this person said that it's okay on their mm-hmm. podcast so it's fine or, or whatever yeah. it is you know um or we just say, fuck it. And I don't want to put energy into <laughs> efforting that question. And so learning to look back on life and ask yourself, when were times where I knew something was off, but I didn't speak up or I didn't say something or I chose to do something in spite of knowing that it, it maybe wasn't going to be the best thing. And I didn't know why necessarily, but I just had this feeling and really sitting with like, what does that feeling feel like in my body? And it can be elusive. For me, sometimes that feeling is like, it's just, it's literally like a faint whisper, but mm-hmm. it feels like a knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really one of the, the beginning things. 
Also, when you're afraid to ask questions, something also may be off. If you're in mm-hmm. a place where you're not allowed to ask questions or asking questions is punishable, I'm always um, very mm, not something's off, like continuously off to me. If I'm in a space where I can't mm-hmm. ask a question or I'm shamed for asking a question or I'm not given, um, I'm, I'm just told, oh, well, you know, just go along with it. You'll be fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when I don't feel safe. Um, so I think those those are the beginning steps yeah. that I would start to talk about. There's more advanced kind of technique, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I want to add to that as well. Thank you, thank you so much for, for going there. I think that's a, a tangible place for, for people listening to start with and check in around. Um, Something that I'm I'm just noticing right now that's been a part of my own discernment process um, is because you, you spoke to this, like we have to, in order to build self-discernment, we have to go through the path of sovereignty. That's what it is. And so with sovereignty is the dissolving of the pedestal effect on both ends, which really what that comes down to is dissolving the uh, victim perpetrator um, savior mm-hmm. trio, right? Mm-hmm. Like, knowing that those roles aren't actually real, right? And, and dissolving those paradigms and stories in our life. Um, and I and what I found to be a part of that process for me, the reason why I was so addicted to the uh, either being the lesser than or the victim and needing a savior or being the savior, I've played that in a lot of roles in my life, mm-hmm. um, was that there was a fundamental belief. And I think that this is just what humanity is coming into that I was not holy, that I was not good, mm. that I was not of God. And if I fundamentally believe that there's something wrong with me, and this is where those fun- fundamental integration pieces come in, you guys, like if I inherently believe that something about me is not of God, then there's no way that I can trust myself as my own best leader, right? And this might seem a little like a little bit much for some people, but I truly believe that like, I am my best teacher, period. Me and God, like that vertical connection is, that that's all I have to pay attention to. I can put horse blinders on if I really wanted to onto everything else. And like the only thing that I actually have to listen to and be with, you know, is, is what I'm feeling called to be with in terms of like, you know, my, my actual connection to myself and to source, right. What is mine to do that question? Um, And I can't take the role of sovereign in my life. I can't take the role of the one who has discernment. If I don't believe in my God, in my godliness, I don't believe in my goodness. If there's some part of my consciousness that everything I do or everything I say, or, you know, anytime I try to lead myself, there's a part of me that doesn't trust in my own internal being. Right. So I would say that a big piece for me in coming into a sense of discernment is doing the work and having cathartic release and like having someone hold space for that too, around the parts of you that believe that you are like not of God and not whole. Totally. That are like, yeah, wrong or unworthy or to be shamed or, and I think that they're in there, there's an inherent, every time I've done any kind of healing work and experienced profound healing states held space for people going through really deep stuff 
there's this moment where there's innocence and like there's this innocence of under of objectivity of like mm-hmm. oh like I didn't see that that was going on or oh like and I, I you know it's so interesting with with Christianity by the way like Gnosticism the origin of Christianity is all about self-knowing it's all about self-knowledge it's all about and that's what the, the person Jesus. I love that you just about. dropped that. You're like, yeah. by the way, Christianity <laughs> came from Gnosticism. It did. It did, and it's historically, factually true. If and if you didn't know, yeah. if you didn't know, he was also practicing sex magic and temple yeah, know, arts seriously. with uh, an ISIS initiate. But we'll just exactly. put that over there for later. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that whole thing, and there's this concept of. Um, and I don't, I have no idea where this came from, but the concept of original sin is I, I had a while where I was like, wait, no, this is like flipped. Like we have original innocence somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that original innocence is the state where we go back to where we, where we don't know. And we like, we don't know necessarily what, how we got to where we were, like the decisions that were made where we didn't know what was happening when a trauma was experienced like there is the ability. And I think that this is what people um, who are studying uh, or who, who practice Christianity and because, you know, there's some people that have practiced Christianity that are that are very like mean and callous. And and then there's people like my friend, there's this woman that I follow online and her name's Gretchen. And she just she's like the Christian mom that I never knew that I wanted. Like mm-hmm. when she talks, she just has this like heart and love and care and like non-judgment that just mm-hmm. exudes through her being and she's totally a christian like 100 percent reads bible verses relates them to her experience of life but it's not from a place of condemnation mm-hmm. it's not from a place of shame and bad and, and good and bad and right and wrong and, and there's all this that in so many religions there's this condemnation and that condemnation is how humanity has been controlled for a very, very, very long time. And because of that control and because of that kind of digging into what's bad and what's wrong, we fear stepping into the parts of ourselves that may have questions about authority or teachings or the way something's taught. And so, and that's echoed through time for a very, very long time. So someone at some point figured out it's a really good way to control us. Right, because then you'll just say, oh, you're doing Satan's work or Satan has, you know, gotten into you or whatever, yeah. right? And and then you, not only is it like the core separateness from God, but will also, you know, punish you in front of the tribe and like so right, many totally. layers to it. And we, I mean, I think one of the biggest genocides that, now we're really going to go there, like one of the biggest genocides that's not talked about is the witch burnings, like, mm-hmm so like like that like hundreds of thousands of women were burned at the stake for practicing herbology and knowing how to control their menstrual cycle and knowing how to work with forces of nature and healing forces and and shamanic energetic forces that if you go back enough in time before western medicine and the um the influence that came behind the corruption of the church, the Spanish inquisition, all of that, like that was our medicine. (laughs) Chinese medicine comes from shamanism. Like everything comes from learning to work with herbs and learning to work with the earth and energy and heal the body. And so at some point there was this kind of coming in of, of forces to control and have power over and fear. And it became very, um, 
easily infected through people to to shame and to fear and to keep against and to separate in light of what people are are call God, right? And mm-hmm. that's really not what any of the saints talk about. It's not what any of the holy people talk about. Um, the original, like holy people. There's people that have come after that and retranslated things like the Bible, like have retranslated the Bible, have retranslated the Quran, have retranslated like all of these, um, like the Torah, like all of these different texts to create a level of fear. Um, mm-hmm. But those are just translations. They're not, right. and they've also kept some massive holy books about your connection directly to the divine out of the picture. And so then you can see where, like, this is where I understand, like, why does the new age seem confused? It's confused because we've got this mishmash of stuff yeah. and a bunch of books were burned and like, there's, there's no real direct teachings except for these mm-hmm. dogmatic things that we see and mm-hmm. feel are not inviting of our direct connection and make us go through another person. So, you know, yeah. it's messy and we got to kind of mm-hmm. like accept that it's going to be messy and there's going to be a lot of fear that, that, people you know bring to it as well um yeah that was very tangential I think (laughs) no that's fucking epic thank you so much and I think like on to piggyback off that is like one of the places to start and I would love to ask you your personal opinion we're going to talk about like just the energetics of false light and the virus of you know why things are being manipulated and translated differently and like you know the injection of fear and all of that but um (sighs) A great place to start with your learning around what feels true for you is to be objective, right? So like, you know, we're sitting here saying why there are so many things about Christianity that feel not true for us. And like, I will be the first to say that I have had super direct, powerful experiences with the energy of Yeshua. And that feels very real to me. And I'm just acknowledging that a lot of the, um, dogma that has come from what we call Christianity is teaching something that's not necessarily congruent with what, you know, through my research and understanding and direct experience, the truth actually is because Christianity was not like Jesus was the person that was Jesus was not like what I think you said to me at some point was not anti-energetic, like anti-energetic. He he studied the whole yogic tradition which right. is all about energetics right. yeah. which is so interesting because now people that I see that have I mean I have like handfuls of people in my experience I was telling justice I don't know why this has been coming up but it has of people who were in what we would call the new age community and for reasons that we don't need to speak to in this moment like have gone into becoming born again Christians and now literally won't do yoga won't do anything that has to do with energetics, like, you know, is so down far into like this dogma experience because it feels safer than having to develop real discernment because they've seen all the fucked up shit that can happen when you're opening up your field and it's fucking messy. Right. So like, I think the point of this whole conversation is like, you can't get out of the process of having to walk down the path of sovereignty And cultivating discernment and like start with being objective and neutral. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's very much, um, it's very much from a space of like, if you want to, if you want to learn energetics, 
I would say like there's traditions to learn from that have been studying them for a very long time. Like it's, it's a science and there's like building, cultivating my subtle bodies in a, with a specific tradition in a specific way that's held integrity throughout the entire time it's been here that works with um, these, these cultivative, like these ways of cultivating the energy so that you can have discernment, you can hold integrity and you're not just operating from the mind and the ordinary mental consciousness. Um, but you're not blasting yourself off all the time either. You're, you're doing it systematically. Like if you want to work with, with energetics, like work, at least for me, that's what I found that's really helped is like work with systems that have continuous refinement throughout them that are systematic and that um, have ways of like have paths of cultivation inherent within them because discernment, mm-hmm. at least from what I know of discernment, it, it feels like it's a, it's a cultivation of my awareness of truth and integrity. And that comes from also dismantling all of the things that I've created personality structures, traumas that I've had that I protect with my personality structures, you know, ways that I operate, things that I'm hooked into um, on a consciousness level, like group think kind of levels of things um, that, that may not have integrity. And so I have to kind of objectify myself from like my, my higher self, essentially like couple S self from these different things, but it, it happens in a way of, of self-understanding self-cultivation and, and in a cultivate, like a path of cultivation. Um, and I think the yogic traditions at their core, which is, which is very, that's so interesting that people like are saying don't do yoga because it's the devil's work when it's like, if you actually read the, the texts about why he went to those lands, like he was studying with masters in those lands that were that are literally like rishis, like rishis are the seers of the yogic tradition that go into these trance states. And, you know, he was doing, um, he was doing energetic water to wine and like the bread from and fish from, you know, you hear stories. Uh, Yeah, exactly. He was, he was master. He was an initiate. He was an initiate and he went through tons of initiation (laughs) to get to the point of being able to house whatever that force of energy that came through him was I just don't understand like it's like such a massive collective fucking face plant of like yeah I don't I like I don't either I can't I don't, I, I don't get but it. I get what I do understand what I do understand uh, is there's a bunch of stuff that's really messy especially mm-hmm. in the channeling world and like when you're opening up your energy to all of these different forces that you don't have discernment to hold or what you're tuning into at best you actually find a channel to a connection and a benevolent Mm -hmm. force at best behind that it's just your mind Mm -hmm. and then it starts to get into and maybe you happen to open to something and it's not holding integrity and maybe you have to happen to open to something that is kind of hooking on your energy and you know having effects on you where it's kind of like the, I used to always say like, who am I working for? Like, I want to know who I'm working for. If I'm opening my energy to something and this is a big thing for me in the medicine world, it's like, yeah. who's, who's will, like, what am I aligning my will with and doing that's spreading the message of some other force? Like, what am I affecting? Who am I working for? 
Um, and so within that, it's like, I get why there is a like whole thing about like there's demonic light or how, whatever words they use, like there's light that it, that holds lower frequencies and is a distraction and, and all of that stuff. But again, like just because you see something out of integrity, it's so easy to just go and demean it versus like you're saying, cultivate a level of, of discernment and awareness through it. And I think that any initiatic tradition that holds integrity and is working for the good of humanity and is working for the, um, the collective awakening of humanity that allows for sovereignty and wants you to have sovereignty and never once asks you to drop your judgment and discernment, which I think is very key. There's many things mm-hmm. that say that they're working for the good of humanity and working for the force of humanity. And yet the moment that you question, like that's where you get cults, right? Like the moment, mm-hmm. the moment that you question what's going on, um, you get a lot of pushback and uh, you're going to be alienated from the tribe. Like watch out for that stuff. But the ones that do hold dis- discernment or like want you to cultivate discernment, want you to ask questions, want you to um, never, ever drop your judgment. Like they exist, they're out there and there's many forms of them. And they've been around for a really long time and cultivated these beautiful, um, beautiful chains of, of spiritual connection for, for a very long time. You know, those are the things that that really a lot of the new age work kind of pulls from, but doesn't give you the full connection to. And I think a big part of why that happens is because of some kind of egoic thing that wants to be like, this is mine. I channeled this, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, kind of, but like, it's been around for a really long time. Yeah. And that's where we lose this honoring of traditions and honoring of our elders, honoring of what came before us. Um, but I think we're starting to come back around too. Is like, oh, okay, the traditions, the things that inspired me, the the elders that inspired me, the the really the fact that we're standing on the shoulders of giants in a lot of ways in this work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, um, giving homage, paying homage to that is actually important and doesn't take anything away from us as leaders, but actually credits us more because we've we've studied in, in these different ways. Um, but I don't, I, you know, all of, all of what I just said is, is much harder to, to go about putting energy into you than going to something that gives you certainty. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, see that thing that you saw was bad. It is bad. And then here's the truth. Like, it's so easy to be like, oh, they've already mapped it out. I'm just going to go over there versus like some a different thing that wants you to have self-knowledge and wants you to have Mm -hmm. a sense of awakening and cultivation that goes, well, what is it that you see about that? Okay. Let's look at that. Let's explore it. Let's objectify it. Um, Let's let you come to your own awareness of it so that you can cultivate that level of, Oh, okay. That's what that is in your experience. You can objectify it. You can see for yourself versus giving your will over to, something else to guide you. Yeah. This might feel a little preachy in this moment. And I just also want to respect your time today. We didn't talk about before the podcast. So if at any point you're like, Oh, I right, figured this is going to be a long podcast. Right. So I'm good. Perfect. <laughs> I might get, sometimes I get a little like God preachy 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to mention Preach, that like, girl. <laughs> sometimes I get a little God preachy because like my background, for those of you who don't know, like I didn't grow up religious. I didn't grow up spiritual. Like I literally had no context or relationship to God growing up. And so Same. every single, every like single time I talk about God, it is coming from my direct experience of being guided to like get down on my knees and pray. Mm-hmm. So I just want to preface with that. Um, but you know, the biggest thing in what you're saying is that like humans want, they just want the answer and they want it now. And because it's so uncomfortable to be in, in the unknown. And I think what we have to realize is like all those moments that we want the answer isn't because we have to sit in a space of unknown and not feel safe there, but realizing that even in the unknown without the answer, that God's presence is still there. We're still Mm -hmm. safe sitting in the not knowing. We're still loved sitting in the not knowing. Like we're still okay when we don't know. And so it almost like that element for me has given me the permission of like, oh, like I was just wanting the answer because I thought when I didn't have it, like I didn't have that feeling of feeling held and safe. Okay. So it's not about having the answer. It's about feeling safe, not having the answer. Yeah, And that's where God's presence uh, So there's this quote, I almost want to bring it up actually from my, the, the medicine man that's um, one of my mentors and he's amazing. Like he's just walking truth. He's very straight up. He's very much like love is love. Hate is hate. Know the difference. Cultivate it in yourself. Be honest with yourself to, to the nth degree. And, you know, stop, like, take the esotericness, the esotericism out of the, the medicine work. Like, like, what is truth? What is simple? What's your prayer? How, how do you make it the most clear and simple that it can be? But he said something to me, which was, doubt is the fire you walk through to get to the peace of not knowing. This is what some mm. people call faith. It is more like the unquestioned acceptance that the prayer that we have with the creator for our lives is always on. And I was just like, I I came to him in this moment of confusion with the docs I had to then I went to my school and I like saw so much truth. And then there was tons of dogma from the people, not from the teachings. And this is what you'll notice, right? Like in medicine work, there's the culture and then there's your connection with the force that you're working with in any spiritual group of people, there's the teachings and the practices, and then there's the culture of the people. And mm-hmm. so I was in this place of, of recognizing that there was dogma in my school of like, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong from people that hadn't had certain experiences or that, that were different than my own. Cause a lot of them are like, you know, engineers and, computer programmers and doctors and lawyers and not people you would think that go to a esoteric meditation school, but um, I've had a very alternative lifestyle compared to them. And I was going back and forth with like this good, bad, right, wrong thing. And, and he was like, well, you're in doubt. And what does doubt lead you to? It leads you to not knowing. And when you let go of knowing, you can be in peace. And that mm-hmm. whole thing of like, you could call it faith, but it's like, you still have your prayer there, right? Okay, cool. So make your prayer. And it was so simple, like, oh, okay. So, and he's like, that's how you, that's what a medicine person does. 
A medicine mm-hmm. person knows that in any moment, no matter what they have physically or not, they have their prayer and they know how to use their prayer and their prayer works. And that's, it's very simple. That's what makes a medicine person. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was so clarifying and helpful as far as like, oh, okay, so I can't do wrong. This isn't about good or bad or right or wrong. This is about my connection, like you're saying, with with my source and the love that's unconditionally there for me when I don't know or might have messed up and that's never going to stop responding to me when I respond to it. So... There's a um, thank you so much for bringing that quote up that gave me full body chills. Please send that to me after the um, podcast is done. And I want to speak to there's like three things that feel really alive. Um, One, bridging the gap. So I think the dogma that's been created in the way that we choose what we believe in. Right. So if you're a Christian, now all of a sudden you're not allowed to practice things like yoga or tap into the energetics. If you are someone who identifies as, you know, someone who's not Christian, right? And you're more into like choice and creating your own reality and things like that, maybe you don't pray because of it, right? Because prayer maybe is connected to this idea of like traditional religion, right? And so there's like all kinds of like you know, interesting pieces of separation and something that like has just been so epic for me in my journey, because I'll preface this with saying like, before I came into the coaching industry, literally, okay, I'm going to share this story. I, this is about bridging the gap, like between the things that we are super stoked on in terms of like our lineage of teaching. Um, and again, like being objective to be receptive for, you know, for new truths and new experiences in ourselves. Um, but before I came into the coaching world, I, I won't go into the full background. Basically I took time to just be like, I had a night and day awakening when I was 16. And then from then on, I like dropped out of school and like traveled the world as like a seeker basically. And like, was not on social media, totally was like anti, you know, human. And like, you know, I wanted to like live on a mountain and like become enlightened. And like, that was the whole thing. Right. And so I wound up moving to Asheville and um, was in a space where like, I just knew that I was ready to like completely die and like step into my next iteration of leadership and, and my mission on the world. And all I could do, because I had no idea what that next step looked like. I knew it wasn't just teaching yoga. I knew it wasn't just studying meditation anymore. Like it was something else, but I didn't know what it was. And so I, for a whole winter, I was in a cabin in the middle of the woods in Asheville and I would just pray. And like, I mean, like full cathartic at my altar, the altar that I use is like right right here next to me. Like I would just pray and I had never prayed before. Like I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what that looked like, what that was, but I was just like guided to pray. And it's hilarious because that prayer led me to it on the same day I lost my, I got fired from my job. Um, and that same day I met Nathaniel and I met a partner at the time that was then like a total angel in my life. And it's so funny because I got on the phone with Nathaniel and like, I don't know how we got on the phone or like what the context was. And I think he was like selling like a business thing. I didn't even know, but like, I was just like, oh, like this is the response from 
the universe, like this feels like a yes. And this is the direction I'm, I'm going. And then I like somehow got guided into the world of like mentorship and, you know, running an online business, which I was totally new to. But the point of that story is to say like the prayer specifically is so epic. I think because it bypasses the need for it. Like it, like it has the element of I choose, right? So I'm aligning my will and my intention, but it bypasses the mechanism of controlling the reality and controlling the experience. So for me, like prayer has just been so epic because it, again, it's like the intention and the will and the openness without getting in the way of the response that God has to us, if that makes sense. And I'm curious if your experience has been similar. Oh yeah. I mean, mine was the same. Like I never prayed. I never, I was freaked out by my parents took me to synagogue like a handful of times. My mom's Christian. My dad's Jewish. We didn't pray. I mean, we prayed in Hebrew, but like, what does that mean to a kid who speaks only English? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I didn't have any connection to, any form of spirituality. And it wasn't until like I was in the middle of my first ego death where I just, again, like you hear that experience so many times, like when things are the hardest humans drop on their knees and they pray to a force. They don't know if it exists or not. And it responds Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what their religion is. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't even matter how terrible of whatever they've done is they just want, they want the help and there's help and the help responds. And sometimes the response isn't very fun, but it leads you to the thing that you're asking for a lot of the time, especially if there's sincerity. And yeah, I mean, that's huge. That's a huge part of why I love the, um, the Chinupa ceremony, which is the ceremony with the native American prayer pipe. And it's literally, it's the whole story of white Buffalo calf woman and who who appeared to these two Lakota men and essentially like there's the, a whole really beautiful story behind it but essentially the wars the the tribes were warring amongst each other and the, the whole lesson of it is that the men had lost their connection to the sacred and the feminine and honoring and protecting the feminine and they were warring over power and she created this being appeared to these two men and told them to go back to their, to their tribe and create, prepare a teepee made of all of the different skins of all of the different animals to represent all of the different tribes of humanity. And she came and she taught them how to use this tool. um, And she taught them how to pray together. And the whole, the beautiful thing is when you sit in a Chinupa ceremony, you sit in a lot of them, you realize everyone's just, and the same thing, my experience of doing heal, I've done healing work with thousands of people at this point, everybody's prayer, like everyone wants the same thing. We all have different facets of wanting the same thing. We're all asking for the same thing. And it's really simple and it's really direct. And once you start to notice that repeated pattern, you notice that you're getting pray like, my experience of prayer is that the more I pray, the more I'm, I feel like something else is praying through me. You know, there's an intelligence that, that learns and matures and cultivates its ability to ask for help (laughs) from something bigger and something greater. And, you know, that, that ability is for anyone that has the ability to, to do that. Like, 
it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you believe in even like, that's the cool thing about, you know, you hear atheists like being in a really hard time saying like, if anything is out there and exists, please help me and something helping them. And I think that that's, Mm -hmm. it speaks to um, the benevolence and the unconditionality of, whatever it is that responds because something responds you know so Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like that is a really good start place I have a question for you that I don't have the answer to so I would be super curious like what Mm -hmm. feels real for you here um because you're familiar with like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and Mm -hmm. you know the the depth of research that he's done that shows that when our level of energy so our intention combined with like emotion comes to a certain level there's a coherence that happens in the body that then creates an electromagnetic field around us that then produces the picture the outpicturing of the holographic reality that we live in mm-hmm. it's the simplest way that I could put it so in terms of prayer and this is like how do I want to put this into words Obviously, I mean, you you and I have jammed on this before. So, like, obviously, I believe in one source creator, mm-hmm. an intelligence that is all of everything, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. The conversation around us being creators, us having free will, us having choice. I've always had the question of, like, it obviously serves me to, to understand or or to abide by the thought that I do have choice in my experience and I do have an effect on my reality. And I know the science behind the way that when I shift my will and my intention, my emotion, like shifts happen in my life, right? That's nothing that we're talking about today would be relevant if that wasn't true. Um, Then also the idea that potentially free will is an illusion, right? And we just have the experience of free will, right? Because we are in an ever expanding you know, state at, at, you know, of, of oneness of consciousness, right. And it's just a kind of happening, right. And like the concept of the fact that like, you actually can't, and you know, this being a healer, like you cannot expect someone to make a different choice until they have a new awareness. Right. Which is why I think a lot of like the coaching world is so fucked up because they don't, we don't understand that if I was actually fully aware of something, I would automatically make a different choice. So the game isn't forcing me to make a different choice using my will. Some aspects might play into that, but the the game is how do I become more aware so that I naturally choose something different? So with that being said, we can't choose until we have new awareness. We can't choose differently until we have new awareness. So the mechanism of having new awareness, is that God's timing? Do we have control over that? (laughs) Right. And so like when we pray, Mm -hmm. when we're in prayer, like, is it really God responding to our prayer or is it the level of, you know, like, is it the level of emotion and intention and energy that we're putting into something that our own internal consciousness is like responding to, which I guess would be Mm. God anyway. that's I mean it's such a packed question my phone just died by the way so our Instagram feed is probably it probably is off but um let me just uh turn these off cool I'm gonna take this out too 
Yeah. Um, that, my phone will pick up your audio here. So I really have been enjoying Rudolf Steiner. Do you know who Rudolf Steiner is? Mm-hmm. So he has, he, his material is very dense, uh, but it goes really well with the Western esoteric tradition that I study. And he's taken a lot of the Steiner's, the things that Steiner's unpacked and applied it to the subtle body work. But Steiner calls humans the angels of will. And that, that, or that is like our inherent birthright is to have free will. And yet a lot of our will um, can be very trapped and caught up in our emotional charges and protecting our emotional charges. And so there's this, and I think this is kind of why I've gone back to like learning how to do the deep work that keeps me more in a protected or out of, let's see, how do I say that? doing the kind of work that allows for me to have a clear awareness of what's going on versus the filter of the wounds and traumas that I have came in with adopted, whatever that don't allow me to see clearly. Um, and freeing up the will that's caught up in the emotional charges because an emotional charges is, is trapped will essentially. Um, and within that, the, the trauma, think about like, you know, Trauma is just as sexy as polarity is and like sexual connection is. And so sometimes we'll be pulled and attracted to situations, people that we can play out our traumas with, they're magnetic. And that pull is essentially the thing that hijacks our discernment and our awareness. And so the more you work on those charges, the more you separate yourself from them, you can recognize they're happening and you can make a new choice. Um, And I think that, the more you do that kind of work, the more you actually gain more free will. I think that we have the ability to to cultivate having free will. I think we have some of it. Um, I question whether we are fully free in our will without doing deep trauma resolution work um, because we're just, our nervous systems are just driven by and, and essentially like, get hijacked by those things. Um, and then you can bring addiction and all of the other things into it that are very hard to have a will with as well. So I think that we, I would, I, my experience so far, and this is just talking from personal experience is that I do think free will exists. I also think it's important to continuously work on refining our own energy to have more of it. Um, and that, you know, I don't totally understand divine timing, which is probably a good thing. I don't know. I think that's part of divine timing is that you're not supposed to be able to understand it. Um, I have studied in different systems that talk about it a lot and say it exists. I experienced, I've experienced at times like almost like time windows or agreed upon things that, you know, I meet someone at a certain time where it's like, you know, the, how I got introduced to my meditation school felt like something was planned. Yeah. Um, I can't say for sure that it was. How I woke up originally was clearly from my life path, like an intention set before, at least from my experience, again, an intention set before I came in. Right. Um, 
but I think these things are, are really mysterious. And, you know, I think that I love that I love Steiner's model around, he talks about luciferic energies and aramonic energies and luciferic energies more just don't want us to be in charge of our will. So they'd rather kind of play with our will from us not inhabiting our full energy field. So we just kind of are like, YOLO, screw it. You know, if you, if you actually look up the definition of Luciferianism on Wikipedia, it's very enticing sounding. It's essentially that you enjoy life and you enjoy like the hedonistic pleasures of life and you love the arts and sciences and that you just have one life to live and just love it, you know, and it, it's very much kind of what the predominant amount of people I think live in. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aramonic forces are more in the technologies and, you know, want us, want human beings. And this is in, in Steiner's uh, methodologies or theories, but want human beings to essentially self-destruct. And so when you look at what's happening with technologies and AI and um, a lot of the darker stuff around like things like transhumanism and, you know, putting chips in our heads and like hurting ourselves over time with technology, like that's more the destruction of humanity. And I like that he has two forces because Normally it's like good and evil, but there's these like dynamic of three. And the third is that instead of going towards one, just the full destruction and materialism and the full, like, doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's all good. Let's just enjoy is human stepping into being the angels of will and choosing consciously learning to align with our choice, learning to use our abilities to cultivate, to align with, um, our higher selves essentially and to bring light into the world. Um, And the way he talks about it too, is that, you know, while these forces are dark, they also help us evolve because without them, we wouldn't have a contrast to make a choice, right? We would just kind of like not do anything, (laughs) enjoy life, survive. You know, we wouldn't have to, make those choices. And I think, especially in our time right now, like 2020, um, everything going on, like we're kind of in a place where we have to start making choices that are harder to make, but, um, go into self-cultivation and, and really asking ourselves the hard questions. Like if I really want this, what am I going to put towards my, my inner work, you know? Um, do I want to sit with the questions that I would rather just not look at? Like that kind of stuff is that takes will, you know? So I think that the ability to even ask the hard questions that you and I are talking about, um, that have ultimately led me more towards truth is, and, and been very scary along the way to be in that not knowing and be in the confusion and feel like I've done things wrong or I've, fallen off the path of integrity or whatever like my will to show up to those questions love myself through them continue to refine and find deeper discernment is the cultivation of will and Mm -hmm. I think that that is our birthright but just because it's our birthright doesn't mean that we all are going to make the choice to do it and also just because I'm doing it the way I'm doing it doesn't mean I'm 
doing it the right way or the only way or anything like that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my my take on it right now. I think free will exists, but I don't necessarily know if I always have it, especially if I look back on times where I've just enough been in a full reaction mode for my trauma. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I gain discernment from trauma from healing it, I seem to get more of it. Yeah. yeah. Let's say like, wow, this this is so good. Um like for me, my, cause this has been a question that has fucked with me so deep. Like, do I have joys? Do I not have joys? Because like, you know, fundamentally, like two things have seemed so real in my experience on one hand, obviously when I have the experience of making a new choice, uh, my life changes. I change and my life changes. Okay. That's like direct experience that I cannot deny. And yet at the same time, I've also had the direct experience through my own personal life and through being a mentor and and healer that we can't make a different choice until we have new awareness. Like it's almost impossible. Yeah. If we were to make that choice, it's not coming from an embodied place, you know, like there's something that we're bulldozing over or overriding, right? Like the moment that we have the full awareness over why we're choosing something, we automatically align to, to the wholeness of our being or the truth of our being. Right. So, you know, then the game becomes what, what I've, I'm, I'm noticing in my experience is that it seems as though my experience of choice and free will starts at the seed of like awareness, right. Mm-hmm. And moves into energy and then moves into the physical action. And so for those listening to make this like a tangible, like, why are we talking about this? To realize that your choice in free will is so much less about overriding yourself mm-hmm. to like make different choices and like to, you know, believe into this new thing, which I think is taught a lot in the new age thing. Your act of free will is actually to direct your awareness into new places mm-hmm. and let like let the energy follow those spaces right so like to ask different questions is where free will comes in for me to see things differently is where free will comes into me like i have the free will to learn and to understand and to be conscious essentially and then from there the more awareness that i gain my actions can you know align with that so for me that would look like you know for example, someone who's experiencing, um, you know, abusive relationships, I wouldn't suggest that they use their free will to believe into a timeline where they're no longer in abusive relationships. I would suggest that they use and like manifest that, you know, use your free will to manifest that. I would suggest that they use their free will to uncover and gain awareness around why that is the ripple effect of the seed of awareness that's already like in there right so like to just direct their awareness versus like bulldozing with action totally and I think that that that's why I talk about like trauma because it's the only thing that's going to direct us to dark spaces or get us in entanglements or get us involved in things that are um not not healthy are from old patterns that may come from childhood or may come from from some kind of core emotional belief systems and subconscious 
charges and programs that really have us caught up in playing out a pattern over and over again. And that's what I started realizing. That was actually my first wake up call to the new age stuff was I learned the subconscious reprogramming tools. And then I, of course, I was like learning about the law of attraction. Cause like, that's like one of the main entry points and cool things about um, metaphysics and the new age is like Abraham Hicks and like, you know, that kind of world and the, the level of, okay, well, my vibration attracts, but also if these belief systems are, are caught and there's these emotional charges of resentment or regret or rejection or uh, shame are stuck at the subconscious levels of my being, um, then I'm not going to visualize my way out of this. I need to actually work on and, and dive into and kind of um, process out where those charges are and then otherwise you're just dissociating more exactly and you'll you'll still attract the old thing so like no matter how and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that like I'm manifesting a partner and it's like they're all the things on your list plus all the stuff that you haven't processed yet and they bring up all that stuff you know and and so we're gonna constantly while the law of attraction has beautiful things to it it's got hard parts of it that we have to come to terms with, but the disassociation piece. Um, I remember I heard, I almost like, I want, I really, I heard something. It was an Abraham Hicks thing that was like, she, essentially someone was asking her about something like working with a client. I can't remember what it was. I downloaded it though. Cause I found it on YouTube or someone was sharing it around. I don't remember what it was, but it was something to the like of, she was asking the person about when people get caught in really harsh emotions and Abraham, the the channel of Abraham, who says some really cool stuff, started saying, well, you know, you just got to get them into the vortex. And I was like, well, what if that person's been abused? Like, you can't just tell someone that's been abused or sexually molested as a child to like, get into the vortex like I mean you can but you're not gonna they're gonna disassociate from the thing that's causing them pain and possibly surrender their own discernment so how do you take the good parts of this that really work and also go into those deeper fundamental things and that's one of the things I realized that wasn't really driving with me with the new age world was these core parts of human suffering that we inherit, that we are here to process and then purify our systems of so that new frequencies can actually ground into our bodies. We're not being talked about. And, and that's really where like, okay, am I going to put will into that? And then you go into that and then you have the, the paradigms you have to refine of, well, then you can get caught up in just processing the process of your process and just processing that stuff. So. I was going to say, I can imagine the, um, cause I get this question a lot, the people in the audience asking the question, well, how do we discern when we're hitting that moment if we can feel the two options in front of us, right. To choose to not go in, like, let's say for example, I have a fucking angry tantrum trigger come up with my partner. Do I go into the thing or do I just choose right to, to not go into the thing, right? Like where does that level of discernment come? And I think that that's such an important conversation to have because for me, it's, it's both, you know, like you've got to go in there. You've got to do the, the basic foundation work. And not only do you have to go in there, but you, that's part of like, 
yes, I am such a nerd for all the quantum healing and like, like all of the stuff. And we're still operating within time. And so we have to have the real experience of like, let me go into the thing and complete the experience to liberate that energy. Like, let me have someone hold space for that and tell me that I wasn't a bad little girl, you know, like let, let, let me have that process and that experience so that energy can move, you know? And then after I've done that enough, then I can, I get to a point of another layer of discernment of like, when is it time to keep going back into the thing to process more energy? And when is that coming up only because my brain has neural pathways that are so used to going into that pattern. So it feels safer, yep. right. To go into that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Totally. Totally. And then realize when did, okay, did I process that enough or not? And is this a moment where I'm simply just going through the discomfort of creating neural, uh, new, you know, pathways essentially in my brain that are just not, I'm not used to creating, right? That's where choice comes totally. in. Say, no, I'm not going to choose that energy, that negative energy. You know, I'm not going to choose that old identity. And I'm actually going to support choosing into the new timeline, choosing into the new identity, choosing into the new frequency of self, if you will. Totally. Well, and I would say with that too, and what I got like super schooled on when I started going to my meditation school. Cause they're very, they're not, they're very non-fluffy. So like my whole spiritual character that was really good at nonviolent communication and good at like moving through conflict consciously and good at creating boundaries uh, was totally unconsciously to me suppressing my emotions. So I completely suppressed anger and I had no idea that I had suppressed this whole part of me through really conscious means and terms. And um, I thought I was great at conflict resolution. And I thought I was great at like, I had worked out my relational stuff. And then all of a sudden I had that dismantled too. Not that the nonviolent communication and conscious conflict resolution isn't really good. It, it, the nuance for me also came in with that process you're talking about of, um, and how can I do that without repressing? So can I, what is the middle ground of being so present, rerouting the emotion, poor emotional charges, not repressing them, not exploding and creating the new, those new pathways into liberation. And for me that I had to, do, again, like I had to do some emotional de-repression work not aimed at the person I was mad at, you know, or angry at, but more, I mean, sometimes. No, yeah. I mean, I was like, Nathaniel, no, no. Nathaniel's gotten some of that yeah. from me, you know, yeah. but also um, sourcing the core charge just for what it is, like not for the way it's projecting on, onto the reality and the environment around me um, until that charge was neutralized. So, yeah, I think there is the, on a practical level, because what I just said is like, well, how do I do that? Um, work with mentors and healers to know how to do that would be my response to that. But especially if it's something that keeps coming up over and over again, but, you know, learning to be able to build the awareness to be present with the trigger and um, not suppress it, speak to it, but not have to act out the tantrum at the person. So that doesn't mean you don't act out the thing. It just may mean that you like go to your room and scream and actually throw a lamp at them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then come back out and like 
or, you know, in some cases, like if they can hold it and have done that kind of work, have them hold you through that. Um, but there is a learning of, um, there's a maturation where it feels really good to have catharsis and at the beginning of stages of healing. It's really important because it's been all caught up and repressed into what's socially acceptable. And then my experience is the choice point that comes to choose a new pathway and choose a new way to direct your energy is an important thing to learn and work with. And then if you have emotional residual, you know, work, work that out. Um, but even for me, sometimes like I have a character that I joke around about that's like an inner, like I just love some part of me just loves complaining. I don't know why. Like I have no idea why. I'm I'm assuming that it's the same thing that makes people like gossiping, but it's like it's like eating sugar, where I'll just be like, oh, I don't like that. And then I'll like know that I'm doing it and make fun of myself doing it. But I'm like, it's and it's similar to like righteous anger, like where anger can feel like good. But then after a while, you're like, okay, like what's next? Like, I'm, uh, yeah, okay, I'm angry. Like, what are we going to do about it now? So there's, I think there's learning to objectify, like, what are you getting out of the emotional state? Can you get that need met directly? Know what that need is. And this is one of the huge things I, I do in my emotional intelligence course is all about, like, what is the emotional state getting triggered by? How are you perceiving things? What is the need that you're trying to get met by the reaction? What do you wish would happen? And why are you reacting to it to try to make it happen? How can you clarify what that need is? And then how can you communicate? First of all, give it to yourself. Second of all, ask for what you need from someone else without having to do what kids do, which is have a tantrum or, or isolate or run away or, you know, whatever, whatever the response we elicit is. Um, but there's an intelligence somewhere in our emotions. Like it's trying to get something met. It's just learning like, what does it want? How does it work? Um, you know, why and how am I trying to manipulate a situation? Even if that, and for some of us, that's like, for me for a long time, it was I just hating myself. I just like hated myself to the point of trying to get love, I guess, or something like that. Like, trying to get the attention of someone because when I was a teenager, I was very suicidal, you know, and, um, that, w that became a very uncomfortable safe space for me because I could control it. No one else could hurt me as much as I could hurt myself. Yeah. So it was safe for me to do it. And after a while I had to be like, what, you know, this isn't, this isn't serving me similar to how tantrums or getting mad at someone else or complaining or like, again, with one of my mentors, he's like, you're going to have a lot of thoughts, feelings, and opinions about things. But when it comes down to it, like, what's your intention for your life? What do you want? Like, what do you want for your life? And are you doing that? And are you getting that need met? So, yeah. I'm curious if we can distill down the, um, so we could just keep going. Like, I feel like you and I could just keep like. And I figured that would happen. We just keep <laughs> going. Um, I'm curious if we can distill down like, 
you know, what is God, how did we even start on that? But like what the choice point is where we, we have a choice point to go into a process versus choose into just a new pattern, right? So like, we don't want to choose into the new pattern and suppress, and we don't want to go into the process just, you know, if, it, if it's not necessary, what cultivates that level of discernment? I think it's just being through in your own healing processes and just being. Yeah. I think it's really like a huge part of it comes from being guided and witnessed by someone holding you through the experience. For me, that's been a huge part of it. Um, it's really one of those things, speaking of Jesus, like when two or more are gathered, there's something about you can't heal certain things by yourself. You need to be witnessed by someone as you go through them. And so you need to have something reflected so that you can objectify yourself from the, the turmoil and the hooks of the experience. Um, this is why meditation is also really good too. It's like, you want to start to see where there's an emotional charge and there's the observer and the observer can choose to unleash it and kind of feed into it. The observer can choose to suppress it, which normally is going to look like an ice queen kind of thing or a freeze mode or a people pleasing mode with resentment yeah. um, at the end of it. Or you can walk this path of learning to clearly communicate and be honest with what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. So we're talking about vulner like what's the vulnerability? Um, and that's the hardest part is because it feels weak. It feels weak to say I'm hurt by this and I don't understand why. Um, it feels scary to be honest with ourselves about that. And so I think step one is what am I feeling in my body? What am I interpreting this situation like? And from there, after you can articulate or write down, like, I'm perceiving this situation as this. It makes me feel like this. You can start to create a level of um, connection to that feeling without having to suppress it. And it gives you a way to then communicate about it from like an I message level. Like this is my experience of what's going on. This is what I'm feeling inside. And I wouldn't suggest doing this with like someone that, you know, off the street, like this is going to be information that, you know, if you're sharing it with a friend, you want to, you, you want that friend to like, be willing to go there with you with their experience too mm-hmm. or a partner you know like mm-hmm. this is one of the things that um nathaniel was really impressed by with me when we first got together and he was like oh you you can articulate that you're having an experience but i'm not the fault of the experience even when it's triggered by me yeah. and the reason for that was because i was able to be like the steps that i just said one what am I feeling Two, how am I interpreting this situation? Three, what does that make me feel like I am or am not Four, Hi, I'm experiencing 
this situation like this. And I, I am feeling like this because of it. I want to know what your experience of this is too behind the scenes in your own experience can we meet and connect and if the other person can do that um then you can have a lot of profound intimacy and growth but I learned how to do that first and foremost with someone that was able to guide me through my own emotional charges so that I could kind of translate what was happening instead of just reacting or isolating Epic. Thank, thank you for diving into that. I feel like we should do a whole another podcast on. Yeah, totally. I love that. God. It's funny because, like, um, you know, just noticing the dynamic between myself and my current partner, like, I feel like, you know, I've wavered on the ends of, like, you know, you had mentioned you went so far down the nonviolent communication path that you were starting to suppress things. And then, you know, it seems like you found a nice middle ground now. Um, but it's interesting when we came into connection. I think I had gone down like the road of really honoring the uh, cathartic expression, right? So like what I was practicing with my, especially my female friends is like, one of us got triggered. We trusted each other to be able to hold the space for them to like fucking throw a transform right then and there and like project all over us, knowing that what they were doing was actually taking responsibility for themselves. Totally. Um, which, which I will say, I think is an important step in the unsocializing of what we think we're supposed to do. Like de-repression is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was kind of like holding that pole and my partner was kind of on the other end of like really wanting to be careful with this communication with me and practicing nonviolent communication. I think in one of our current first conflicts, he's like, are you familiar with nonviolent communication? <laughs> I wasn't really practicing it very well. Um, and so it was just interesting because we brought two different aspects of like dealing with conflict um, together and, and got to, to, you know, give medicine to each other in that way. So yeah, okay. we'd love to dive into relationships at some point with you. Oh yeah, totally. That's huge. I mean, that's a, it's a huge yeah. part of what my, the center program that I have is about, and it's also a big part of the, the first foundational aspects of what my practitioner training is going to be about too. Cause you, cause you need both. You need both. It's just, I think it's the phases of development because if you just, I mean, I've seen people that just start on your side, which is kind of the side I started on. And then I totally went to the other side of the pendulum to NBC and met people that just started on that side, but then they don't have expression and you cut your own expression off. But over here, you're just expressing to the point of like, it's almost like it gets too processy or too dramatic and then draining and, and you need a middle point of both, but you need to experience both to have that middle point too. So I think that we don't really look at, um, and this is, this is why I like looking back and being like, cool, 11 years has taught me this over time. Like mm-hmm. it's a maturation process. It's not like a, okay, I figured out how to do it the right way. Like I needed all those phases to, to be where I'm at now. And there's probably still more stuff I'm going to refine and learn from here. But I don't think we often look at the big arc, you know, like we just are like, Hey, what, and it's probably good. Like, what am I supposed to focus on developing right now? Um, but there's lots of different nuances that come into the art form of being an embodied conscious human. So, yeah. And I think that that brings us back to our core medicine of this whole podcast as we start to wrap this up, which is that 
the game of being an integrated human and being a sovereign human is not a short-term like instant gratification kind of journey like and, and it's not just like okay figuring out where to go to to find the truth or who to go to to find the truth it's like your journey constant continuous infinite long journey of refinement and embodiment and deeper integration and more awareness and like you never get there mm-hmm. you be okay and can you feel safe with yourself knowing that you will never get there mm-hmm. you know? totally totally yeah and and are you taking the time when you have the big aha moments or when you're going to the ceremonies or when you're doing the meditations to to ground that into your actual lived experience of life because you know that's integration is is the thing that that is the art form you know we can read the books and go wow that's so cool or we can go to the ceremonies or have the psychedelic experiences or spiritual experiences and be like oh i get it i see but it's the little humble moments in life that allow for those moments to actually be applied with the will that you're talking about and the muscle. And um, it's kind of like a chop wood, carry water thing a lot of the time. Like, and that's, that's okay. Um, if we can be okay with the fact that it's not glamorous along the way, but the end point is a very integrated sense of, self that can give to the world like is that enough you know is it enough if you're not the guru who's got the 20 million followers and the temple is made of gold is it enough if you actually can integrate and have you know really direct experiences with people where you touch them in ways that they just change like what is it that you want from your path because it's like yeah that's what makes it important what is it that you want from your path? And, and as we relate this to the industry that you and I both work in, like, where is it that you're investing yourself into? Right. So like being really mindful, you know, knowing that your resources are an extension of just your, all your energy, your resource of energy, your resource of life force, and like really starting to be discerning, like, okay, can I let go of my shiny object syndrome? you know, in terms of who I'm hiring in the spaces that I'm investing my resources into and like realize, you know, cause like so many people just want like, and this was definitely true in my case in, in moments where I felt so fucking unsafe and I was in deep states of lack where I just wanted someone to give me the overnight success thing mm-hmm. and realizing that actually the quickest way to a successful life, like a really successful life is slowing down mm-hmm. and being in it for the long game. knowing that you're going to be protected that actually you don't need the overnight quick fix you don't need you know that like instant gratification you know shiny object syndrome thing to be okay like you're actually going to be okay if you slow down and play the long game and and play the game of like integrating and going deep Um, and you won't burn out that way by the way which is key like you won't get super depressed behind the scenes and then have to like showcase a illusionary personality for the world to see which happens a lot. I have clients that have, they got big ass followings and but they've had to do that because they they didn't do what you just said they didn't slow down so now they have to learn how to slow down I just want to thank God for Nathaniel your partner and like I mean both of the work that the two of you stand for but 
you know, if you guys don't know who Nathaniel Solace is, I highly suggest you go check him out. Um, but really similar stands that um, Jess has in terms of like playing the long game. And, you know, I think he's had a lot of experience of doing the opposite in the early, you know, experience of his business. And, you know, he speaks from a space of experience. Um, but I'm just super grateful that like, my higher self and all of the forces that be like, you know, just had that taken care of for me to be my first like coach, mm-hmm. you know, space to show me that like, I actually didn't have to play into the whole shiny, shiny object syndrome in order to experience uh, like transformation and success and um, growth in, in my life in order to, to experience that like magic of miracles, you know? Um, so I'm just really grateful for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm continuously grateful for, for you, Jess, for the way that you vulnerably put yourself in a space of speaking to the thing in the, in the room that nobody wants to talk about and nobody really wants to see, knowing that there are going to be some people who like are totally super grateful for you for that. And a majority of people who may just not really totally love your content because it's not, doesn't feel good to receive, you know, and that speaks to the level of embodiment that you hold because, you know, the way that you speak from that space, like, you know, that likely, you know, it's not going to be this like thing where people are pedestaling you or be getting super obsessed with your Instagram and like, you know, you're growing your Instagram super fast and all that stuff, you know, because you're speaking from that, that integrated space. So I just want to thank you for the, the consistency of the way that you speak from your experience in your heart. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's worth it to me. And I'm really bad at the other thing. So it kind of goes with the territory, but thank you. I really, I really do appreciate that. And it's a learning to not be afraid of, of triggering people and also to be disruptive and keep my heart open at the same time, which is, I feel like I'm an ongoing student too. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Thank this you. has been like a Joe Rogan long podcast. <laughs> it's great. It's, I had a blast today and I would love to complete with a question or two. Um, yeah. While I'm asking just these final closing uh, pieces here, um, you, there's a bunch of people. Oh, okay. Two is not a bunch, but there's two okay. um, here on Instagram live and Michelle, uh, who's with us inside RCC. If anyone has any questions that they would like to ask Jess um, or myself or us together, we would love to, to just speak to that. Um, I don't think there were, I don't see any other questions that were on the Insta feed. So um, that being said, one thing that I'm really taking away from this conversation, and I know you spoke to it privately in um some voice messages that we are exchanging is like, sometimes our desire for integrity can um, put a cap on sometimes the level of expression that we're seeing. And what I really got from this conversation is like how it all loops back around that like all of the stuff that I'm sure you learned in your deep dive into new age spirituality and like, you know, like all of it, 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 it's all true. It all has truth to it. Like so much of it, at least a good 90% of, you know, these different facets that I, I won't speak on often either, you know, because of the way that they can be misinterpreted. 
like has truth to it. Um, and it's just really beautiful that like, you know, in order to get to the spaces where we can start working with the concept of, you know, the fact that we are ascending and we do get to like choose into the higher self expression and choose into a new timeline of the path that we're walking. Like it's just a requirement to go to the depths. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. But all of the pieces are all still true. Yeah. And, and it's so key to, um, I mean, it depends on who you are. Like I'm the type of person who like, I may go into times where I'm too rigid, you know, and that's been one of my lessons is like, I'm not going to get it right all the time. And that doesn't mean that I should suppress my expression. Um, Cause I want to stay in integrity. Right. And sometimes it is like, you know, the perfectionist thing of like, perfectionism is the greatest excuse to not do something. Sometimes you need to get your hands muddy and that's how you have the experience of knowing where to refine. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a huge kind of like walking prayer for me of like, you know, help me to like the kind of the, the serenity prayer a bit, like accept the things that I can change and like know what they are and accept the things that I can't and know what those things are and just kind of be in a space of experimentation. And I, I always come back to that full circle. of I am living the experience of what it's like to be an evolving human in this timeline. And so if I look at my experience in that way, um, there's inherent forgiveness and there's inherent learning. And um, I expect to scrape my knees and, you know, scrape my elbows. And even if I do, it doesn't mean that I'm bad or wrong or I fucked something up. It just means I'm learning and growing. And I think there's a self-trust that's important there too. Yeah, I feel you on that. And it inspires me to, which is like the forgiveness piece that we're speaking to earlier. Um, and it inspires me to just like publicly declare to my audience right now of like, if you guys really want me to share all of the things that are in here, like, I just need you guys to agree to the fact that you're not going to pedestal me. So like yeah. that balance of like, all right, I'm going to be a responsible leader and be integrous with what I'm sharing. And I get to also trust in the lessons of my audience and know that I'm not respond. I'm on some level also not responsible for their discernment or lack thereof. Totally, totally. And within their own truth as well. So I think that that's a good, a good reminder for those of us who really value the way that we're um, and are mindful of the way that we affect other people. Totally. I mean, I think that's the, such the key to transparent, like that's really the, the code that gets cracked is like, I'm learning and I don't know, and I might fuck it up and disclaimer, I'm a human too behind the thing that I'm leading. And I think that that gives that one takes the pressure off to be some perfect coach guide mentor um, Two allows for the reflection of the person, the people on the other side to be like, Oh yeah. Like they're just figuring it out too. So that means that I can figure it out too. And then three allows for anything to change at any given moment if you want to change it, right? Like that's, to me as a healer, like that's been the biggest freedom is like, I will need to ask for help. I don't know everything. And sometimes I'm not perfect. And a lot of the time I'm not perfect. And 
if I can accept that that's okay and that doesn't make me not be able to help people, then I grow and everyone grows and my innate humanness can actually reflect more love from there. So I think that that in the greater scheme of things, that's what real leaders are, the ones that can, instead of acting like they know everything, know that they don't know and move forward as willing students that are gonna continue forward um, subject to whatever content they have possibly changing at any given time. Yeah. And yeah, don't pedestal. It just hurts. It hurts everyone. And you'll do it anyway, but when you do it, just realize that you're doing it. <laughs> Damn it. Try really hard to be like, I think that person's godlike, and they're probably not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've got hi. Someone says, I'm still just laughing at the part where you said not to actually throw a lamp at your partner. <laughs> I have I have done that in the far past and it's not cute. Don't do it. Um, and then we have another question. This question doesn't seem super relevant to the convert. It's a great question. Um, thank you for asking. It doesn't seem super, super relevant to the conversation that we're currently on. So I'm just going to tab that maybe for a solo cast that I do. Thank you. Uh, Emotional Healing 44. I appreciate you. Um, and then the last thing that I want to um, like land with here, Jess, is if you had one piece of medicine, a uh, transmission from your heart that you wanted to share with the audience today, what would that be? I mean, I think part of it is really just that transformation is what happens when you accept exactly where you're at and are able to forgive yourself and love yourself and be in that space. Mm -hmm. And until you allow where you're at to be perfect and allow the challenges that you have to be in perfect timing, you you resisting the transformation happening and it, for me it's like any level that I've been at throughout the past 11 years that has been an immutable principle um, and what's imbued in it is is the continuous learning of love the continuous learning of self-honesty the continuous learning of self-forgiveness and the continuous learning of what it is to be an unconditional um, loving creature towards yourself and recognize that you know the spiritual worlds and forces of life are also unconditionally loving towards you yeah. that was really beautiful my whole system just like this oh. <laughs> remember one thing that like right where you're at is okay yeah thanks exactly. and it's perfect yeah that being said Jess I want to first thank you so 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 much for taking the time the last three hours of your time <laughs> to be with us today I know that your time is super valuable and I really appreciate you choosing to share your medicine with me and with the community and um, you know our our dual prayer here is just that this is 
you know, medicine for each and every person that hears it and that it's supportive for you and touches the exact heart that it needs to. Um, that being said, I know that you have two courses and programs that are coming up, one on boundaries, I, I believe, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, um, and then another really epic facilitator training that you have coming up. So I'd love for you to just, you know, drop anything in here that you would uh, yeah. like to talk about those. So I have a course called Embodied Boundaries that's a do-it-yourself course. Um, that's everything that I normally teach my one-on-one -on -one clients about boundary work. So anything from boundaries with your clients, boundaries with your family, boundaries with yourself, boundaries with relationships, boundaries with friends, really, really good for people who kind of have that high achiever, people pleasing kind of tendency mm -hmm. um, or need to learn to speak to things or are very empathic um, or are maybe more on the dominating side and, and want to learn how to express their emotions more directly without uh, bulldozing people <laughs> it's good for that too um, and my practitioner course is a certification course that's for coaches who want to really advance their skill set in holding space for people so it will have everything from the fundamentals of developmental psychology everything you need to know about trigger work emotional charges work um, conscious communication boundaries work will be in there and then also a lot about somatic healing, trauma healing, subconscious reprogramming. There will be hypnotherapy techniques that I teach. There will be um, a lot of work around belief system reprogramming techniques. There will be energetics in it. There's a lot, like I'm throwing everything into the practitioner training that I've learned over the past 11 years. Um, and that I feel is really what's created and allowed for me to be someone who consistently changes the lives of the people that come into contact with me so if you ever are wanting to know about like what it means to be a trauma-informed coach and to actually work with trauma to really know the psychology of the people that you're working with to create transformation no matter what niche you're working in um, these are principles that apply to every single human being and so I'm doing a, it's a six-month practitioner training and then the alumni will be welcome to come back and assist and um, be in more of a space of like apprenticeship with me because that's how I learned is I've always apprenticed my teachers too. Um, so yeah, and that is, I will have a webpage up for that soon. If you're interested in that, you can DM me directly. And then you can also look at my Instagram bio link. Most likely there will be something in there. You can add yourself to my email list on my Instagram bio link. Um, and most likely that will start end of April. Um, and yeah, that's, I'm very excited for it. It's my oh. favorite thing is to train practitioners which I, I used to do a lot. And so I'm coming back into that too. It's like my pride and joy. Pride joy, I love that. And I love, by the way, you guys, we're going to put all of her uh, links, like her website and her IG handle and stuff in the show notes. So if you're looking for it, you can find it there. Um, but I just love that, like, you know, I feel like they're, <laughs> I'm probably going to not love that I mentioned this, but it's all right. There's um the whole paradigm of like, <laughs> 
all the business coaches in the coaching industry that we hire really are just teaching us how to be co- like how to be coaches to like continue the pyramid scheme of siphoning other people's life force energy to like, you know, learn how to take their money and like, you know, what all the things you get it. I love that there's finally uh, programs being created to actually learn how to be an epic mentor and how to actually be an epic coach and how to actually hold space for people. That's not in a, you know, you went into the schools of learning how to, um, you know, going through these therapies, but also learning how to teach them. And you've put in the years of work that, you know, it requires to go to these different facets of, of places that these things are taught. And so I think it's really cool that you're now making this into a program that, you know, the person who knows that they are here in the healing arts and they want to be a coach and maybe they are a healer or maybe they're not, but they're just a, a mentor, you know, let's say for, you know, body image or for nutrition or whatever skills that are absolutely essential for all space holders to have. Like, I am so grateful that you're putting that together because I know it's going to make like, like raise the bar of integrity for the space and have a ripple effect on who they touch as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, super epic. And I highly recommend, you know, for those of you, listening, I get this question all the time, like, and we won't go into this about like, what um, certifies me to hold space, what certifies me to be a coach, you know, etc. If you're looking for somewhere to start, I highly suggest or not start if you're not already doing this work, but to deepen your integrity with, you know, how you're holding space and to go deeper, to take your clients deeper, to take yourself deeper. I highly recommend Jess's work. Um, I haven't personally taken any of her courses, but I just, I, I just know her and I've seen the way that she shows up. And um, I know that her, her content is really fucking epic. So thank you so much, Jess, for sharing about it. Is there any last things that you want to talk about or share or no, that's that's about it. Thanks so much for having me. Epic, epic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Instagram family. We're going to say goodbye over here. All right. And that's it for today. Thank you, guys. Mm, thank you guys so much for joining us for today's interview. Jess and I went super deep and I really enjoyed it. I hope that this inspired new curiosities um, and new questions in your heart And as always, if this podcast really touched you and you found it valuable, please take a moment to just rate and review on Apple, iTunes, wherever it is that you are listening in from, and maybe share to your Instagram stories or your feed just to get this message out to those who also would benefit from receiving it. That would mean a lot to me and I'm sure to the hearts of those who would love to listen to this as well. Um, And just super quick before I sign off today, I wanted to let you guys know, so um, a couple of things in the space. I talked about RCC in the beginning of this podcast, the Rose Code Collective, which is an online temple, mystery school, and community for awakened female leaders. I just want to mention that again, in case there's resonance and you want to check that out again, the link is in the show notes. Um, and also mention another, uh, experience that's going to be happening, um, come May. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast that was recorded right before this one, um, I did an interview with a dear sister of mine, Miss Delaney Dwight. 
who's my absolute best friend and partner in this lifetime, business partner, um, beloved in all of the ways. And we are hosting another wild heart activation experience. This time, this is going to be a group immersion in Costa Rica from May 5th to 11th. So that's coming up pretty soon. And we are still uh, welcoming sisters into the space to join us. This is going to be a six day, five night, super beautiful luxury experience in the heart of the jungle. And the core of this retreat is centered around all things wild within the feminine embodiment, wild expression, wild intimacy, wild beingness um, in, in all of the ways, wildly, radically following the truth of our hearts, the truth of our wombs, um, and just so many other things. If this is, if you guys can like feel the frequency of this, just go ahead and click the uh, link that's also in the show notes, wildheartactivation.com to learn more about it. Um, and if you want to go really deep and really feel into the codes and the transmissions that are going to be coming forward for this retreat, just listen to the podcast episode that was recorded right before this with Delaney Dwight. Um, and as always, if you have any questions about anything I mentioned on this podcast, anything that was talked about on today's podcast, um, or, you know, things you want me to share on the podcast or, uh, people you want me to host, just send me a message on the social medias. I would love to hear from you guys and thank you again for being here today. I appreciate you each and every single one of you so deeply. All right, you guys, I will see you on the next episode of the heaven on earth podcast. Ciao.